welcome to this podcast. I'm Anju Ghangurde, Executive Editor for the APAC region with Script and Pink Sheet. And today I'm joined by Vani Manja, Boringer Ingelheim's Country Managing Director for India. Boringer Ingelheim, or BI, as many of you know, is one of the world's leading biopharmaceutical companies. It was founded in 1885 in Ingelheim, Germany, and is family-owned to date. BI's India operations were established in 2003, and it is among the fastest-growing foreign biopharma firms in the country. We are going to discuss aspects of the company's key strategic efforts in areas like diabetes, heart failure, and stroke that Vani hopes to accelerate as BI aspires to move into the top five position among biopharma multinationals in India in the coming years. We've also seen pre-patent expiry Jardian's copies debut in India, and we've just heard about an ad interim injunction. So let's see what Vani could probably share on that. Of course, it's a developing piece. But there's another prompt to this discussion that I'm really looking forward to. And that's about Vani's personal journey to the helm. She's BI India's first woman country managing director and has held several senior positions along the way in BI, both in the US and at the group's headquarters in Germany. And hopefully, we can also get to know a bit about Vani beyond the corner office, perhaps how she gets step back and perspective and her life motto. Welcome to this podcast, Vani, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Anju, for having me. It's indeed a great pleasure to be here with you in this dialogue, and I look forward to our discussion today. Thank you, Vani. So let's begin with your career journey. You've lived in multiple countries and have had stints in McKinsey, Beckton Dickinson, and prior to that, you even served as a commissioned officer in the Indian Army Ordnance Corps. So what prompted some of these big career shifts? We've often heard of how one fortuitous meeting with maybe a mentor or someone else can influence big career changes. How did some of the shifts come about in your case? Anju, I have indeed been fortunate to have had a rich diversity of professional and cultural experiences over the last three decades and these have helped shape my approach to leadership and life in general. If I would summarize the common thread, it's my insatiable curiosity to learn new things, to meet new people and to gain new experiences. While I've had a rough guiding star since I graduated from college in Delhi uh, to become an international or let's say even a global leader, I've been very flexible about how I get there. So starting with the Indian Army, I decided to join the Army at 21 because I had a sense that being part of one of the pioneering batches of women officers would be an enriching leadership and life experience. And it was. I left at the end of the short service commission as planned with a lot of learnings that I still refer back to. But I was ready at that time to broaden my perspective and horizons through a business education, which is what took me to Wharton. At Wharton, I did an MBA and also an MA in international studies, so I could expose myself to the world, not just outside of India and the US, but also Europe and Francophone Africa and Asia. 
McKinsey then provided me the opportunity to serve clients in multiple industries across a variety of functions, helping me ultimately zoom in on healthcare as my long-term purpose and professional home. And across McKinsey, uh, Beckton, Dickinson, and Boehringer Ingelheim, I've had the opportunity to work across R&D, business development, strategy, marketing, sales, and general management, in addition to experience in leading large global transformations. So it, as you can see, it's been a variety of experiences that I have taken on as part of my growth, my learning, uh, always as new challenges to shape how I think and view the worldview. And while I may not be able to name one particular mentor or role model, suffice to say I've been fortunate to have many of them along the way from whom I've learned and derived great inspiration. That's really an interesting run, Vani, and across diverse areas and some really rich experiences. Uh, okay, if I can move to your stint in BI. Uh, you've been a BI long-timer and joined the company in 2011 in the US, working across strategy and operations, marketing and sales leadership roles before moving to Ingelheim in 2016 as regional business manager for Japan. Now, the US market and BI in 2011 was obviously very different from the BI and US market we know today. What are some of the key challenges and important wins you perhaps led in those years? I mean, those were the days when BI had made uh, almost $350 million worth of investments in its US operations, and perhaps likely the days of you know, big sales forces and maybe a, a nil digital component uh, compared to what we're seeing today. Take us through some of that. Sure, Anju. First of all, as you'll note from the date, next week actually marks 10 years that I've spent at BI across US, Germany, working closely also with the Japanese and in global roles, and now in India. Looking back at my time in the US, I would say yes, much has changed with BI in the US in the last 10 years. To start, uh, we've evolved from a strong foundation of legacy in respiratory with Spiriva in 2011 towards building a strong suite of offerings in diabetes and cardiovascular diseases with uh, Prodaxa, Trigenta, Jardians, and Lixambi. And with OFEV, we strengthened our respiratory portfolio, but also initiated the move towards specialty care to complement our then strong primary care portfolio which was the mainstay. In terms of my learnings, uh, for example, with Pradaxa, I spent a couple of years in Pradaxa marketing. We faced several headwinds in the US, as I'm sure you're aware, between 2012 and 14. Uh, but this also pushed us to try new approaches, to be open to experimentation, to learn to course correct and pivot quickly and with agility, and to be persistent to make sure we did the best to represent a fantastic product to, and make sure it reaches as many patients as possible. This was also the start of the move towards digitalization and omni-channelization, if you will, of our go-to-market approaches, because we had to take the approach to try every possible new approach, previously untested, to see what would work. We tried many things, and many of them worked, some did not, but we took the learnings from them. 
I personally took a lot of learnings from this time into my most recent role, Anju, as the global head of uh, GTM model transformation at Beringer Ingelheim, which I'd spent the last three years before coming here to India. That's really interesting. Clearly some important changes and challenges dealt with really effectively. Uh, if I can just shift to your new role in India. Now you took charge in India bang in the middle of the pandemic and just ahead of the devastating second wave. What was your first reaction when the top India job came your way? And was it difficult driving collaboration and productivity across the organization remotely early on? Uh, it's a great question and allow me to start with saying it has been fantastic to be back in India after over two decades away. Just as I have changed and evolved in my 20 years away, so has the nation and dare I say even more so. Personally, it's been great to be back in closer proximity to family and old friends, though I have to say the opportunity to meet them is not as often as I would have liked given the pandemic. But that will change soon, I hope. Uh, we hope, don't we? Professionally, it would be safe to say that uh, these last 10 or so months have been nothing short of a roller coaster ride, uh, with many a development both within BI and uh, broadly within India. On a serious note, it's been one of the most challenging leadership experiences in my life. To onboard at the helm of a new organization without the ability to meet the team physically, especially in the midst of the pandemic and in a culture that thrives on relationships. And also let's realize that this team had been used to the constancy of the same, same leader at the helm for over a decade before my arrival. All of this made it really important for me to onboard with an open mind and an open heart, to truly take the time to listen and learn and to seek to understand not only the business context, but also the cultural context. Because as I said, I had changed over the last decade. So immersing myself back in the cultural context was so important. I over-indexed on meeting people, mostly virtually, but still meeting people one-to-one -one and in groups and ended up meeting uh, with over 250 people within and outside BI in my first 100 days. And this I followed by a series of skip level meetings in the months that followed to truly understand what's working, what's not, what we could do better to ultimately serve our agenda and reach as many patients as possible. Most recently, I've been finally be, I've been able to be in the field, including in Delhi, Kolkata, Hyderabad and Bengaluru to start where we met with our teams and our customers engaged in dialogue to understand their needs and challenges. This is, of course, the start of a journey, and we're going to continue to do this in the coming months to keep in touch with our field teams and with our customers. At the end of the day, Anju, the onboarding process has been the same as would be in other contexts, but I would say much more intensified and accelerated. Talking about the second wave, it has been without doubt devastating. It's impacted us at BI as badly as it did so many of us in India and around the world. We were sad to lose a colleague in his prime to COVID-19 in the summer and have had many in the BI India family lose family members and loved ones. So it's been a challenging time for us as an organization. As an organization, we focused on coming together 
and staying together to support each other during these challenging times with a very high level of understanding, empathy and support for our people. So how am I focused on now taking this forward as the leader of the organization? I am focused on building a culture that has a few defining characteristics. First, inclusive, ensuring psychological safety at a level that everyone has a voice, everyone is heard, and everyone feels they belong. Second, collaborative, recognizing the power of the collective where people reach across silos and hierarchies to find the best solutions and approaches to serve our customers and our patients as one BI India team in support of our strategy and goals. This doesn't mean it's a democracy always, but it's about harnessing the power of the collective and then making the best decision through some of the differences of opinion. Yeah? Three, a caring meritocracy. We want to attract the best people, empower them with what they do best so they can do it right for the organization, grow and develop them to take on new challenges in pursuit of our purpose. And part of doing that is to challenge them and stretch them, to expose them to non-linear career pathways. I asked the team to expect the same of me because only by challenging each other will we be able to take on the external challenges we face. For patient centricity, it's much used over and over again, but ultimately this is our purpose of improving the lives of patients, of bringing more health to humans and animals, and ultimately contributing towards a broader One Health agenda. And fifthly, not quite the last, but the, one of my top five, is continuing to keep our clear commitment to operating with integrity, doing the right things, and doing things right for the patients we serve. Uh, this has been part of my guiding star, if you will, in making sure I do justice to the organization and the team I lead, Anju. Thank you for that. Um, so clearly an intense, challenging and action packed phase. And uh, as you said, you know, you onboarded with an open mind. And as, as some experts have always said, you know, resilient leaders need to stay focused on the horizon as well as balance the soft and tough decisions amid constant change. Uh, so if you can just move on to the bit on, uh, you know, a bit deeper into BI's India strategy. Now, there are many prongs to it, uh, as you mentioned, building, building patient-friendly access and benefit models, an aspiration to perhaps own the lung cancer therapy space, bolstering your position in the diabetes segment, and also pressing ahead to improve the continuum of care for stroke management in the country. Could you you know, briefly highlight some of the key steps that you are championing in these areas. Absolutely uh, happy to do that. Uh, let's start with our exceptional portfolio of products in India today. I think some of the areas like lung cancer and fibrotic diseases, uh, we brought innovative therapies, but now we are also faced with the loss of exclusivity that brings with it the challenge of uh, access and price. So where we are focusing going forward is some of the products that are today offering differentiated therapies to our patients in some of the most, uh, um, most challenging NCDs, non-communicable diseases with high burden and high unmet need. This includes diabetes, 
cardiovascular disease, including heart failure and stroke. So these are, let's say, the two to three pronged areas that we're looking at in terms of the support we can provide our patients and our healthcare professionals. In all of these areas, it's also fair to say that the burden of disease has been amplified post-COVID, given what's been called the syndemic effect between COVID-19 and several of these diseases, notably diabetes and stroke. Focusing on diabetes and the associated cardiorenal metabolic condi conditions, I think we've discussed before that BI ranks first in the patented non-insulin market with Jardians, Trigenta, and Lixambi, and the met combinations of Jardians and Trigenta being market leaders in their specific market segments. This brings with it, of course, a great responsibility of what we need to do con to continue to advance the solutions in this space, which we can speak on in a little bit. In stroke, Actalyze is the only globally approved therapy for uh, AIS, for acute ischemic stroke, stroke treatment, used across over 80 countries, over 85 countries, actually. And uh, in India, over the years, we've been supporting uh, activities to strengthen the stroke care infrastructure across both public and private institutions. This year, I would say we've amplified our efforts by connecting the dots across the continuum of stroke care from awareness at the, uh, we're looking at driving awareness at the lay audience level, because ultimately diagnosis, which is the next step in that spectrum, is critical and people knowing the debilitating level of this disease and the importance of timely diagnosis and treatment is important. So from awareness to diagnosis, to improving the chances that these patients reach the stroke center within the treatment window that allows them to be treated effectively is also important. And lastly, to ensuring that the patients receive the appropriate treatment uh, followed by the rehabilitation. So we've been connecting the dots here and saying, how do we make sure the support, not only by us, but through partnership with other players in the ecosystem, truly covers the gamut of the areas of need that needs to be, need to be addressed to truly upgrade stroke care in India. And this has been a great focus, and uh, we continue to see what we can do. And some of the activities, of course, now we're focused leading up to World Stroke Day and the ensuing month, if you will. So some really uh, interesting and important initiatives underway and uh, efforts to build partnerships, as you said, across the ecosystem. Uh, let's now zero in a bit on the diabetes segment. Now, it's a very competitive area and uh, BI India is currently, as you mentioned, the market leader in the patented non-insulin diabetes therapy segment with Jardians, the star brand there. Now, recently, there have been some important developments. Uh, we touched upon it briefly, the entry of cut, cut price copies in India, and also the breakthrough therapy designation granted by the US FDA for empagliflozin as an investigational treatment for adults with heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Now, how does BI actually expect to drive further momentum for brands like Jardians in India in this scenario? And also, if you can touch a bit about whether this would essentially revolve around leveraging the co-marketing alliances that you have with Cipla and Lupin. Let's start with your first question first regarding the injunction. 
as you said, we were quite um, uh, surprised to learn last uh, weekend uh, that empaglifosin uh, uh, patent had been infringed and that there were uh, companies that had launched products in the market uh, uh, despite a valid, strong subsisting patent of empaglifosin. Over the last week, we've been working hard to make sure we uh, seek the support from the judicial system to uphold our patent. And we are pleased to share that uh, Beringer Ingelheim has obtained two separate orders granting ad interim injunction that restrains both the domestic pharmaceutical manufacturers from launching, making, using, offering for sale, selling, importing, and or exporting their respective generic versions. As I said, we hold a valid patent for empaglifosin in India until 2025. And the Honorable High Court passed these orders based on the prima facie satisfaction of the strength of BI's patent and on the patent infringement by the two domestic uh, pharma manufacturing companies. So this truly does reinforce our faith and reaffirm our faith in the Indian legal patent system and the enforcement of patent rights uh, uh, through this ad interim injunction. It's, uh, we feel gratified and appreciative uh, that this development has happened. Uh, we look forward to continuing to, uh, with our exclusivity at hand until 2025, bring Jardians to as many patients as we can across diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And as you said, we are delighted also that uh, we just received approval uh, from the regulatory authorities in India, also for our heart failure with reduced ejection fraction indication, HEFREF, uh, specifically uh, with the Emperor reduced phase three trial. Uh, we saw we uh, saw the data that empaglifosin, Jarians, significantly reduced the combined relative risk of cardiovascular death or hospitalization for heart failure by 25% compared to placebo in adult patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction with or without diabetes, which is uh, excellent data. And this was the basis of the approval we received today. And the teams are preparing as we speak to launch in the ensuing days. Additionally, as you also mentioned, important to note that we also have seen unprecedented results with Emperor Preserved trial. This is first of a kind data in terms of efficacy in patients uh, with preserved heart failure patients with preserved ejection fraction, which showed that empaglifosin reduces the combined relative risk of cardiovascular death or hospitalization for heart failure by 21% in adult patients with heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, again, with or without diabetes. These data have been submitted for regulatory approval, and we hope to receive this indication as well in the months to come. So overall, this makes us very excited about the value we bring to patients with Jardians around the world. We've touched millions of lives around the world, uh, offering a very effective therapy for patients that can improve their condition across diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and now heart failure. And we are really excited with continuing to bring this uh, strategy to the market. And important to note, as you said, as leaders, we look at our responsibility not only to bring the product to market, but also bring science, innovation, 
information and education to as many customers and patients as possible. You asked about the co-marketing partners. We are confident that with our co-marketing partners, we'll reach, uh, extend the reach of these therapies to more customers and more patients. But in addition, we take our own leadership position in diabetes and cardiovascular disease seriously to continue to provide, as I said, that education at different levels to support healthcare professionals across everything from disease awareness to diagnosis and treatment, as well as to support patients with management of their disease. This is a chronic disease and it requires ongoing support to manage and whatever we can do to support them uh, across this spectrum is something we are taking on to bring holistic support across this uh, continuum of disease, if you will. So a lots of action underway and in the offing and clearly the spotlight will be on Jardians for number of reasons. So really an interesting space. Uh, I'd also like to touch briefly upon another interesting development and this is around Actilize, <clears throat> which is used for the treatment of ischemic strokes, myocardial infarctions and pulmonary embolisms and now may be useful in the ongoing fight against COVID-19. So if all goes well with the you know, global phase three studies, uh, would we likely see it being repurposed quickly in India as well? Um, indeed, Anju, Actilize or Alteplase is being studied uh, for the treatment of COVID-19 patients suffering from ARDS, as you said. Uh, the phase three is planned to be initiated just this quarter. And we are keenly looking forward to the results and will definitely consider how we continue to support the patients in India as well. The medicine team is working with the global team uh, on uh, uh, data generation for this important study also in India. So Vani, those were some really great insights around the business. Now, if I can just change tracks a bit to leadership and life aspects. Now, we don't have too many women in the top job at pharma, and the gender gap is rather well documented. Though some studies suggest that healthcare is one of the better industries for working women on several dimensions. What's the one advice that leaders like yourself would give talented young women aspiring to move up their career ladder? And what's the one big challenge or perhaps bias that they should all be ready to you know, counter? Uh, I could, Anju, wax eloquent about this topic for a long time, but in the spirit of keeping this brief for today, and we can always pick it up at a later date, allow me to say that I couldn't agree more with you that there is much work that needs to be done on this front. But this is not just an India challenge. This is not just a pharma challenge. This is truly a global challenge, and it's much talked about for the right reasons. And it's also a broader corporate challenge. Yeah, I'll not go to the social aspect of it for the sake of this conversation, but definitely in the context of work, definitely beyond pharma, also a broader corporate challenge in India and abroad. Uh, even as we acknowledge that some progress has been made in the last couple of decades, it's fair to say that this is woefully short of the balance that we need to aim for to harness the full potential of the talented women, women we have in the workforce and in our society. So much work needs to be done. And this is a conversation that we need to keep going on what we can do. We save that for a, another time. But I think coming to your question on the advice, hard to pick one advice, but let me try. Be your best advocate. Don't ever sell yourself short 
and don't limit your possibilities because of how others may perceive you. Recognize and lean into your strengths to build your confidence that you are as at least as good as and at least as competent as the next person, be it a man or a woman. Seek, take and own your seat at the table with confidence, not apology. Generally, it's anecdotally much discussed that women tend to be uh, much more apologetic than men about things they may or may not have done. So how do we not do that? Take our seat at the table with confidence, not apology. And how do we get to this seat at the table might be an important question. Uh, easier said than done, but I would say don't wait to be perfect before you take a leap to the next level challenge. Don't hesitate to step up and volunteer for opportunities. And also to help you do that and have that confidence and that risk-taking approach, also build an ecosystem of support around you at home and at work. As I said, it's easier said than done, but not impossible. And this is also where the role of mentors uh, and uh, role models come in. And there also is the follow-up I would have. Once you get there, make sure you pull others up and pay it forward. Hopefully for today, we leave it at that. But of course, I'm happy to discuss more at a future date. That's fantastic. So all you talented women, don't limit your possibilities and take a seat at the table with confidence. Finally, beyond boardroom authority and favorable quarterly numbers, data readouts, what electrifies leaders like yourself? And what's the one life mantra that you clearly live by? If I had to pick one, I will go back to my insatiable curiosity to learn new things and to experience new experiences, if you will, to enjoy the learning curves and the immense growth and development that comes from it, be it new roles or new cu cultures or new languages, the unique mix of anxiety and exhilaration that brings, especially in the first three, four, five, six months in a new role is unparalleled as far as the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to learn and become a better person goes. And this is something I constantly remind myself not to lose focus on. Those were some really fascinating business insights and life learnings, Vani. I can't thank you enough for the time and your insights, but thank you again for everything. Thank you. Anju, thank you for some excellent thought-provoking questions. I have enjoyed this conversation and I wish you the very best.